Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, this week I have a colleague, uh, Diana Lidstone. Uh, hi, Diana. How are you? Hey, awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you. And uh, you're in uh, you're in Montreal, right? Is that where you are? No, actually, I'm uh, in the Thousand Islands area, so between around Brockville area. Okay. Okay. Nice. Are you? Uh, did you have that super cold weather recently, like we did? Not as bad as Toronto, that's for sure, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, we were struggling here because <laughs> we're not accustomed to that severe kind of uh, weather. Our schools were shut down and uh, we were... So we're finally back to about five today, so we feel like we're alive again, so yeah. here in Niagara. So Dan is a, um, someone that uh, I met, actually, I think almost uh, a year ago, um, and she's a, I'm going to say a sales expert, but so much more. And I'm going to just go right into her bio. And um, Diana's going to add anything that uh, obviously um, is not covered by the bio. The bio covers certain things. She has 30 years of expertise as a solopreneur. Uh, she loves to share knowledge and mistakes. Not often hear about those <laughs> with women entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs so they can have bigger business breakthroughs to not only earn more, but live more. From her experiences, she sees too many entrepreneurs who are overwhelmed and frustrated with all the activities they think they should do. Relatable for sure. <laughs> Instead, she talks about three general types of business activities. Hustle, and which she, she calls CRA, consistently the right activity for your stage of business growth. So doing the right things at the right business uh, stage. DNA, which is distinctive natural advantage. Um, when you know your stage of business growth and your own DNA, then all the activities fall by the wayside, leaving business owners to simplify their business and have time for activities that truly matter to have business breakthroughs. That sounds lovely. <laughs> it sounds pretty simple. I mean, as I said, um, so many entrepreneurs are, well, they're, first of all, they're all busy people, but there's busyness and then there's being productive. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first started coaching, people came to me and said, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so frustrated. I just don't know what to do next. And I knew that there had to be a way just to simplify it so that they could focus on those things in their business that actually, you know, in, improve the bottom line, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I talk about three different kinds of activities. The one is hustle. And that's where I see a lot of people. Uh, so hustle, you know, you know, you're in a state of hustle if you oh my God, I need a website. Then, well, if I have a website, I need a blog. If I have a blog, I need a newsletter. If I have a newsletter, oh, I have to put that on Facebook. And if I put that on Facebook, I need Facebook ads. And then maybe I need a live event. No, it's a webinar. 
<laughs> and I take a deep breath and I go, yeah, then you're in a state of hustle and you're not really moving your business towards any definition of success that you might have. So that's what I call hustle. So that's one uh, type of activity. The second type of activity is what I call CRA. And no, it doesn't stand for the Canada Revenue <laughs> Agency. <laughs> it's really about knowing what stage of business growth you're at. And I talk about four different stages. And there are certain activities that are appropriate for your stage of business growth. And so some, I have to tell the story of this lady that I met at a networking event. And she told me, um, so we met at the networking event, then we went out and had coffee. And you know, when you go out to have coffee with someone, you kind of get down to the nitty gritty, right? Mm -hmm. So she was telling me how she had written this book and it was on the bestseller list. And I was so impressed, a little naive, but very impressed. And then as we got down to the nitty gritty, she was telling me, well, you know, Diana, I took a year to write my book and that's all I did. Spent, I'm going to say, you know, $10,000 was sort of the ballpark figure and uh, got it on the bestseller. But she says, I don't have a business. And I went, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I don't have an email list. I don't have a program to sell. I don't have any of those foundational elements. And so her example is an example of somebody doing the wrong activity for their stage of business growth. And so she was doing something that was perhaps at, you know, maybe the, uh, the third level of business growth instead of having to, you know, create a solid core offer, start building her email list, start, you know, validating her premise and that sort of thing. So that's just an example of somebody doing the wrong activity at the wrong time in her business. So CRA, consistently the right activities, that's another type of activity. The third type of activity um, is something that I'm de I've developed and I'm just out there kind of testing it now with amazing results. And it's what I call your DNA, your distinctive natural advantage. So out in the marketing world, a lot of people say, you know, it's talking about niching down and who's your ideal client and your avatar. And it's always about the client. Well, I've kind of turned that on its head and said, let's look at who you are. And what are your unique skills and talents, your magic? And I say your DNA is made up of uh, three different things. One is what I call your acquired mastery. That's things that you've acquired, learned over your, you know, personal and business life. The second are demonstrated results. So those are the results that your clients attest to that you've gotten for them. And the third is something I call your effortless talents. And that is the magic that you have, that every single person has, and your clients, your friends, and your family, they go, oh my God, Roxanne, how did you make that look so easy? Mm. So when those three things intersect, so when the um, demonstrated results, the acquired mastery, and the effortless talents, when they all intersect and overlap, 
that's what I call your primary differentiator, and that's your DNA. And when I'm working with clients, very quickly we can narrow down how they're different from somebody else, how they can stand out from their competition. Um, and it, it just sort of all falls into place very easily instead of, oh my God, I've got to develop this client avatar. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And so that has really, really, really been helpful. And when you know your strengths, when you know your differentiator, your primary differentiator, well, then you don't focus on the other things. You kind of let them go by the wayside. Um, so an example might be, you know, my good friend, Carl Richards, who yes, is a speaker. Right. And Carl's a speaker. So when Carl and I were working together, um, you know, he goes, well, what should I be doing for marketing? Well, you know, Carl uh, is a speaker, but he helps people gain confidence in their speaking and, you know, overcome that. Uh, those terrible butterflies in their stomach or the stuttering, whatever it happens to be. And so I said, well, Carl, you know, it kind of makes sense. You're a radio broadcaster, a speaking coach. I'm not going to suggest that you write blogs. Like, why don't you do a podcast? Right. So it's looking at you as the individual and helping you sort out what things you don't need to focus on. for your specific DNA or for your stage of business growth. And that has been, those two things have really helped people shift out of that hustle zone Mm -hmm. so that they actually start, you know, moving towards that success that they want. And uh, there's nothing like it to see somebody shift out of hustle and actually start, you know, making some good money in their business. Because I think when I think of uh, myself and many other people probably that are in the stage where that I'm at, you know, um, completely very guilty of it, that whole, you know, this is new and that is new and, oh, so-and-so is doing a vlog and so-and-so is doing Facebook lives and, you know, it's all coming at you and uh, the person that's just stepping into the arena, in my case, shifting um, to speaking and training you're, you're taking it all in, but without us, like you said, like that looking at yourself and what you bring to the arena, you know, you get, you do get dizzy at times. Oh, it's so overwhelming. Advice from so many people about what the right strategy is. For sure. And what happens is we, you know, we tend to look at other people and we tend to look at these gurus about Facebook live or blogging or newsletters or live events or whatever. And they're not looking at the whole picture. They're not looking at the whole strategy. Those are only little bits of the strategy. And they're not looking at you as an individual either. What are your gifts? So when you do that, I believe it is a more holistic approach uh, to building your business. Well, that's a good example with Carl, right? Because for him, naturally seeing him uh, I see him on his Facebook lives yeah, and, and they're sure. lovely, right? Like, yeah. I mean, because you're, you get, again, I do, I will pop on, on and off. And now I've, I've done one of his, his programs already. I've, you know, last year I did one of his programs. Um, so that makes sense because if you kind of figure out what comes naturally to you, and I think of me, when I think of what people say to me, when you ask that question, and oftentimes people will say to me, 
when you're having a conversation with me, I feel like I'm the only one in the room. Mm -hmm. So I build connection quite quickly with individuals that I meet because I'm able to do that. So my friends and family will often say that of me. So that's a good thing to think about, right? So it's like, I bring that versus trying to figure out, like you said, what one of the other gurus are doing, because maybe that doesn't come naturally to them. Maybe they have another skill that, you know, doesn't come as easily to myself. Yeah. And I think we, you know, as kids, whatever, we're trained all through school to work on those things that we're not so good at. So for instance, we get a report card and let's say you're not that great in science and the teacher says, well, you got to bring up your science marks and you got to do better in science. Instead of saying, oh my God, you're an amazing writer. Let's see if we can't strengthen that particular skill. And so, and the same happens, you know, we're in school, then we go to university, it's the same thing. And it's the same thing even when we go out to get a job, right? We are assessed on our job performance. Well, you're not very good at X, Y, and Z, so let's bring that up. Instead of the opposite, instead of taking the strengths and making you even stronger in those skills. Which, which makes such sense, right? Because, you know, when you go to the job interviews, the, the last questions they will often ask you is, so like, you know, what, what is one of your main weaknesses that you would bring to, and you're, <laughs> you're, you know, it's so true versus like a resource. If you were to flip that question, a value would be, I could think of a question is like, what comes naturally to you? How could you enhance that to the position that you might be applying for? Right. Would right. give you that much more about that individual and how they potentially could add something to the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is that we, and you know this from talking with people like you do, is we are the hardest critics of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so if somebody was to ask, um, you know, you or somebody else, you know, what is your, what might be your primary differentiator? How would you differentiate yourself? from? You know, we have a lot of trouble doing that for the most part, because we don't look at ourselves with the same objectivity and what comes easily to us, we go, well, it comes so easily. Why would somebody pay us for that? Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, there's a great exercise that I often do. And maybe you play along with me here. Okay, Um, sure. I'm game. Yeah. So I often say uh, to a crowd, um, think of one person just think of them in your mind. They could be famous, dead, living, you know, not famous, that you admire. Just one person that you admire. So just, I see Roxanne's nodding her head. She's got someone in her mind. <laughs> yes, okay. I do. Now think of three qualities that this person has that you admire. Yeah. Okay. So can you share those with us? Do you want the name first or the qualities? <laughs> let's go with the, let's go with the name. Okay, uh, Oprah. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I like that she when she connects with people, it's a, on a profound level. Just even if you were to turn down the sound, the connection is very very deep and real. Right. I like that she is able to, when she speaks to people, ask the questions that deep down and it almost feels like it's a soulful question. 
something at such a deep level that she extracts things that other people may want to know, but maybe she's a couple of steps ahead of them. And I like the fact that she had, she is able to zone in on creating things in her life or in her business that are uh, meaningful for her. Amazing. So, you know, I've had all kinds of people answer this question. And then I usually bring people up to a microphone if it's a live event. And then I say, the thing is that we cannot see in other people qualities that we do not have ourselves. Hmm. So I'll repeat that. We cannot see in other people qualities unless we have those qualities within us. So the qualities that you admire in Oprah, you have within yourself. And um, that is always a huge eye-opener uh, for people. And I've had people break down and cry in events. I've had, you know, people walk out or email me afterwards. Um, but it's because we just don't see ourselves the same way that other people. Mm -hmm. yes. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to take that compliment because, it, but it, what a fascinating thing to do to, for people to be able to kind of, you know, have them look at it from a different angle. You're right. We're so subjective when we, when we, um, look at ourselves we don't see it for what it is but when you go outside of yourself and oftentimes when I'm coaching with individuals I will say to them you know if, if I were to bring someone that you really respected in the room um, and ask them to give you guidance what kind of guidance would they give you uh, and they and they come up with these pragmatic you know phenomenal solutions <laughs> and then they'll go oh no no but that's that person negated it off themselves so really a really nice uh way of having people focus in on what's really laying within them. So when you do that, Diana, with someone, and it's mostly, do you work mostly with female entrepreneurs or, or just entrepreneurs in general? Uh, entrepreneurs in general, but um, for the most part, my focus has been women entrepreneurs. When I do my live events and that sort of thing, it tends to be women entrepreneurs. Uh, I think there's two reasons for that. I think that uh, women are starting businesses faster than any other segment of the population. Uh, and for women to, uh, when women get together, um, I learned this many years ago when I was working for a financial advisor. There, if you have a group of women together and versus a mixed group, the energy in the room, the dynamics in the room is very different women are much more likely to share openly amongst other women as opposed to if it's a mixed group. Um, so for instance, at my live events, we might have a hundred people there, 95 are women. And then I say there's five brave men. <laughs> so um, yeah. So they collaborate in a different way, female entrepreneurs. Well, they collaborate in a different way, and I think they respond to different exercises in a different way. So, you know, a real macho kind of guy may not resonate with that exercise that we just did about, you know, the person you admire. Or if we're doing um, a visualization or a meditation. I'm not saying that 
there aren't men that would tune into that, but it's mostly, I have found, it's been my experience so far, it's mostly, uh, mostly the women. So in your, in your kind of business, is there, are you seeing a lot of women coming to you like the individual you explained where she already has a product and she's trying to create a business or do, are people, uh, do they have a business and they're coming to you to learn how to kind of, you know, develop the tactical or, or things to, to create um, different uh, parts of the business? Uh, well, there could be, you know, could be two different types. So there could be someone who just has a dream and doesn't know how to turn it into a reality. Mm -hmm. uh, but most often it's been somebody who's had a business for a couple of years uh, and they're in that hustle mode. They just can't seem to get out of that or get off that hamster wheel. And they're not making the kind of money that they want or the kind of impact that they want or they're working too freaking hard for the money that they're making. And so my real goal is to help them put together. Well, I guess my real goal, first of all, is to help them see their potential. That's the first thing. The second thing is to put together some sort of strategy or roadmap, a plan. And thirdly is how to, to make that profitable because you know there's nothing worse than working 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 and the profit just isn't there so uh, i do focus a lot on marketing and i do teach a lot on sales for the solopreneur but a lot of the marketing has to do with basically let's get down to your dna and then let's get down to um you know, what's your message, your core message going to be, your core offering, and really, really, really simplified it. Entrepreneurs are the most creative people in the world. They can get in their head and they can create all kinds of things. And my job is to go, whoa, stop. Simplify it. Simplify it so that you can make more money, have more time off. And as I say, um, you know, enjoy life. Right. Because a lot of times, and I, I can speak to this having kind of, you know, been in it, you know, in the kind of speaking training consulting world since I launched my book. So I probably would be, have been a lot like your, uh, your clients you're talking about there where I wrote the book and then everything kind of came after. <laughs> um, so I probably should have met someone like you up front. Um, and you know, kind of then trying to figure out, okay, I know I have a message that I'd like to, to put out to the world. So that thinking came after, and then based on that kind of came the, the practice, the coaching, the training, the speaking kind of thing. And then, you know, like you said, what is it? Like, what is that DNA? Like, what is it? Where do I want to spend my time? I could spend my time in lots of different areas, but my passion um, is more around the speaking and training, but yep. the coaching has grown. So how do you kind of shift it over? So is it that you look at people and say, what is it that they really like the most? Or is it that you look at the, what their unique skill is and then direct them that way? Or is it a bit of both? 
It's a bit of both. Like I say, their DNA is this composition of these three things. They're, so their acquired mastery, that's the stuff that you've done like in your life. Mm -hmm. So you've been, you know, you've been this counselor and you've, you know, you've acquired all these innate skills. So that's one thing. Then, or maybe it's someone who's overcome a huge challenge in their life. So I have a client who um, overcame uh, PTSD. Another client who has uh, ADHD. And they didn't think of those things as gifts. But they are gifts when it comes to their business because they have overcome them. And what they have learned in overcoming them, they can teach other people. So that's, you know, that's another example. So their acquired mastery. What do they, what results do they get for the clients? And, you know, the clients will actually say, yeah, working with, you know, so-and-so, I doubled my profits or I, whatever it happens to be. What results do they get? Maybe it's somebody teaches you how to finally get off the, uh, dieting hamster wheel, um, you know, whatever it happens to be. And then thirdly is this effortless talent, this thing that you do, this magic that you have. And uh, we try to zone in on that so that um, it will help not only you, but it'll help you create your message. It'll create your branding, everything so that you are different than everybody else in the field that you're in. Oh, you talked about stages, so stages of the business. Correct. So tell me about the stages. So like you have the person that's the beginning that is kind of just formulating a plan, just figuring out their DNA with you. Um, and then you're kind of creating marketing strategies to help them get out the gate, if, if that's correct. Sure. So um, I have a visual that I call my grow meter. And so think of a thermometer mm -hmm. as the stages of business growth. And the first stage I call the employee. That's the bottom. And we feel like we're an employee because we're doing all the things, <laughs> right? We're wearing all the hats. We're spinning all these plates in the air. And um, yeah, it takes us a while to build the raw foundation of our business. We have to go out there. We have to test our core offering. We have to test our message, test our branding. And unfortunately, a lot of people get stuck down there. But you know you're ready to shift to the second stage of business growth, which I call manager, when you are actually earning good money, but you have no time to spend it. So manager level, which is stage two, is, well, if we think of a manager in a business, a manager delegates things, a manager oversees a team. And so that's what happens at the manager level. It's about shifting from working, either working one-on-one, -on -one, which you did at the employee level, or marketing one-on-one, -on -one, which you did at the employee level, to now leveraging that. So speaking is a form of leveraged marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, group work is a form of leveraged coaching, uh, delegating, getting a virtual assistant, creating a team around you. And so that's what happens in stage two. Stage three, which I call the CEO level, 
And the CEO person is the visionary. And by now they have a team, a good sized team, and it's their job to be the visionary for the corporation and to only do those things in the business that they are really good at. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they have to learn new skills. They have to learn how to be, and the same at manager, they have to learn how to manage a team. Um, and they also have to learn how to stay out of the day-to-day -day operations. Mm -hmm. So that's the third stage. And the fourth stage is what I call legacy, which is, uh, you know, at the top of that thermometer. And this is where people are really probably thinking about an exit strategy, uh, maybe diversification, um, and keeping ahead of the competition kind of thing. So those are the four stages of business growth. And for each stage, uh, I've got it broken down so that these are the activities to focus on at this stage. You know, if you're in stage one at the employee level, you don't need to start thinking about webinars or, um, you know, anything complicated with sales funnels or anything like that. Your focus there is to build a very strong foundation and know that what you're offering, that core message, and that your message and your offering is bang on. Which I think a lot of people zip over that and just in being around other entrepreneurs like me. And I, I know I've been guilty of that at several points also, um, you know, because you, then you start to create content without kind of figuring it out about what the actual, you know, what is the message? What is the actual message? Um, you know, and again, when you don't have the guidance, which I had right. a bit of coaching, but not a lot at the beginning. And then of course got really smart really quickly and went, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I need guidance to be able to kind of create what I was creating, but there are a lot of people and you will, you'll see it out there, right? Like oh. to your point, yeah, where, you know, they're still at the employee stage, um, you know, but they're trying to do some some big things like go off into group coaching and stuff like that. Or and they're not, you know, they can barely kind of get things on the first run done. Yeah. And it's it's sad. It, you know, um, I've been an entrepreneur for, as I said, for more than 30 years. Uh, I originally started uh, service based business many, 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 many moons ago that was kind of like a VA. I had a retail store, uh, standalone store for 12 years. You know, I've, I've been around business. And over those years, I've seen so many women start businesses and either uh, burn themselves out and had to close, go into debt and had to close, uh, or just get totally frustrated and say it doesn't work until so they close. And it really doesn't have to be like that. But the big thing in it is that, like you said, you know, we have to realize that we, we ha have to get guidance to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're a really good counselor, but did anyone teach you how to run a business? You know, the, the back end of the business. And so often that's what I find. Right. And I had been in corporate consulting for 16 years, but I was at the top of consulting. So all the other back of the house pieces were taken care of for me, the right. marketing pieces, you know, um, you know, the accounting pieces, the 
uh, trending analysis, all that stuff was given to me as the executive to be able to go out to the frontward facing customer. So some of the basics, like you're talking, the, the metrics to get certain things done were handed to me quarterly or on an ongoing basis. The marketing went out monthly on behalf of what the message was that month based on the entire organization. So I was, you know, yes, I, I had a lot of knowledge, but didn't, you know, if you would have put me into how do you create a marketing plan and what are the steps like you're talking about? Well, I, I just be given it, you know, every month or quarterly right. when I was seeing the clients, those types of things based on the overall strategy. And I would be privy to it, but to actually, you know, um, know how it was being created at times I would know, but oftentimes not, not so much. And then to create for yourself compared to a huge, you know, um, you know, multinational kind of companies, it's, it's quite different. It is, it is. And, and that's where I see the, the struggle with uh, entrepreneurs starting their own businesses. Uh, and especially, you know, uh, I'll see women go out and get some sort of certification in something. And, mm -hmm. you know, it could be anything from a life coach to, you know, massage therapy to real estate. Uh, and that's great. That is their, um, you know, that is their craft. And they spend a lot of time and money honing their craft. But on the back end, did they spend the time and the money investing in how to run a business? Mm -hmm. And so I was listening to a lady the other day and she was a lawyer. And she was explaining how, you know, and it could be a lawyer, it could be a bookkeeper, it could be any type of business person. And how they're going, I got to be a better lawyer, I got to be a better lawyer, or I got to be a better bookkeeper, a better bookkeeper. And they think that is the way to make their business more profitable. Not so much. You know, you've got to invest as much time in learning about becoming that craft or that technician. You have to spend as much time learning how to run a profitable business. So uh, there's, you know, you got to wear two hats. Right, because every every time you add a product, for instance, when a year ago when I added the podcast, what a learning curve. <laughs> My goodness, like the things that I did not know, that I did not know, that I had no business not knowing. <laughs> I could be a really good poster child for some of your people. There is, uh, yeah. But the things that I've learned, you know, I think this year probably like my 65th podcast, my goodness, uh, because again, I was in stepping into something new. Yeah. Obviously, the speaking part of it is, is quite easy. But of course, being a podcaster is different from, from being a consultant or somebody on a stage or training There's certain things. But all the mechanics of the business part to have a successful podcast, if I were to slice it and dice at 65 session, you know, episodes in, my goodness, now I would be able to say to someone, it takes a lot. It does. It does. Right? And yeah. how much of your time for business does that take out in the average week? And, and I know somebody like you would probably be able to, you know, um, break it down, you know, based on metrics and all those things about, you know, whether you should or shouldn't, uh, you know, uh, you know, add it to your business. So I really can appreciate some of the things that you're saying as I've learned and, uh, you know, added some of these things along the way. Yeah, and there's nothing like uh, failing fast to succeed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we make all these mistakes going forward and uh, we learn from our mistakes. Um, 
but I always encourage uh, entrepreneurs to, you know, find somebody who you can connect with and somebody who has done what you want to do Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, get some, get some help mentoring, coaching, masterminding, whatever it happens to be. That is the, that is the key to, you know, stepping out of hustle and uh, actually uh, moving forward and achieving things. Now, I don't know if you can answer this question, but I'm curious, how long does it take to get from hustle to the other stages? And you're going to say, Roxanne, I knew you were going to ask something because <laughs> this is the entrepreneur's mind just kind of bouncing around with all these ideas, right? Like, so how long is there, is there a timeline before you can kind of shift up or is it dependent on every individual that you're working with? So I'll give you the, the coach's answer. And it comes like this. It all depends. <laughs> and it really truly does. It depends on, you know, I can work with someone and I can help them uncover their DNA. But what they do with that on a day-to-day -day basis, I might not have control over. Or, um, you know, I have a program, a group program called the Achievers Club. And, you know, I get people in the Achievers Club and they come in with great intentions. And I'm sure, you know, like you, like myself, we've bought programs with great intentions mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe not finished them or haven't done the work. But I love working with ambitious women entrepreneurs who are committed to doing the work, uh, who want to follow a step-by-step -step plan. And you can get out of hustle pretty darn quickly if you're focused on it if you're focused on it. So it, it really depends on the individual and because a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, I kind of, I live in that world. They, they are very passionate, but sometimes the pragmatic, once they get the message, they get the brand, they know they, you know, unique proposition, all that stuff. And then sometimes they hit, they hit stall. Yep. And what, what would you say are some of the main reasons why people might hit stall along the way? Um, I guess you'd have to give me an example. I think sometimes that stalling is, um, I have a great saying, it's not my saying, but new level, new devil. So sometimes mm -hmm. in our business, we get to a new level and there is something there that is stopping us. Maybe it's mindset. Maybe we don't have the systems in place. Maybe there's something. And that's what I say, new level, new devil. We've just hit that threshold and we need somebody perhaps to come in and take a look at it. Um, that's if that's what you mean by stuck. Yeah. So, because sometimes, yeah, people might like, like you're saying, they may have all the intention, but they're maybe they're planning to get ahead too quickly based on time, for instance, or family commitments or, you know, the juggle, right? Like of maybe they're straddling two worlds. Maybe they have, you know, this is a side hustle and they have a full-time uh, situation still and they're having, so that would be mindset then I would think probably well, because. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, for instance, if somebody has a, a side hustle. So I often have in my programs uh, people who are still working full-time and developing a business on the side. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to look at, okay, how many hours a week do you have to devote to that side hustle? Let's really get down to the practicality. And if you've only got 10 hours a week, well, then you know that you're not going to move your business forward as fast as if somebody who has 
25 or 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's getting down to the real practicality of it. Or, you know, maybe somebody's a mom and they have other, you know, childcare responsibilities or caregiver responsibilities. Again, what do you think realistically? Where, you know, how much time do you think realistically? And then looking at that time and saying, okay, where are you putting the effort? And the effort must be placed, you know, according to your DNA, according to your stage of business growth. Um, what are the revenue generating activities that you can actually do that are going to, you know, shift you out of that, that place that you're at? Yeah. And I think you're so, it would be individual with each person, right? Because sometimes you're going to hear people saying, you know, they're going to do it and then they do it. And other people have the same intentions, but maybe like you said, they're not looking at all the other variables that could be standing in their way to get up that level and seeing that, having that those objective kind of pair of eyes or to say, okay, why is this happening? Like, you know, is this realistic? Is this growth realistic in a year or two? Is it more of a three to five year plan? Those types of things. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've had people come to me and uh, book a business breakthrough session with me and there's a little questionnaire that they fill out. And uh, you know, I, one of the questions is, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, what three things would you change in your business? And, you know, some of them go, you know, maybe they're just starting out, maybe they're making very little money in their business and they go, Oh, I want to be making, you know, six figures in a year. And I go, you know, let, let's be realistic. (laughs) That isn't realistic. Uh, Or, you know, I've only got 10 hours a week. Um, You know, so you really have to get down to the nitty gritty. And it is very, very individual. Would you say that mindset, um, how big of of an issue is mindset in creating a successful business? Well, if you could see my arms, I'm holding that. She's got her arms like up to the universe. (laughs) It's huge. It's, uh, it's huge. And, you know, my, my strength is not talking about mindset, but um, certainly I can't even talk about marketing without talking about mindset, because if you're not willing to be visible, if you're not willing to be seen, you know, well, you you laugh, but you know, I hate to say it. There are, I have a group now um, and we're studying this book and the book is about getting out there and being seen. And for so many women, that's a huge thing. They just, you know, my God, well, you know, I was taught to, you know, not to be heard. Uh, You know, children are to be seen, but not heard. Uh, Young girls are not to speak their mind, et cetera, et cetera. There's all kinds of, if I can say the word, S-H-I-T, that goes on (laughs) in our minds that uh, keep us playing small. Mm -hmm. And mindset is huge. So, you know, there's mindset about keeping us playing small. There's mindset about money and money issues. Um, asking for the sale, pricing your products. I mean, you know, we could go on and on. But uh, yeah, no, mindset is a significant, can be a significant um, barrier, if you will, or challenge. Yeah, because, you know, go back to these sayings that you've, we've all heard you, if you can't pursue, you know, 
if you don't believe it, you can't create it, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've got all these blocks, you may be brilliant. And there's, you know, you've seen, I've seen brilliant people along the way and their mindset just stops them. And you see sometimes people that are not maybe as gifted, but they work really hard and they push and they, you know, and then they, they create such results. So it's, it, it's such an important thing, obviously in my world where I work with, uh, you know, clients all the time or, um, you know, or speaking about that ability to really harness your mind so that it's an optimal place all that often as possible uh, is so important because like when you talk about, you know, being the CEO or the visionary um, and having to, recognize that you have to you can't you can't be a a triple a and not be able to delegate to be able to make that shift up but a lot of times you'll see it with people that they have to triple check everything and you know which takes away from adding that layer of the system sure i mean one of the uh the things that uh that i'm developing is uh is think like a ceo and even at the employee level, you know, where we're wearing all the hats and we're having to do everything. I believe that there's a time that every entrepreneur needs to take out of their business and they need to think like a CEO. So I've even developed, you know, baseball caps. Okay. <laughs> Monday morning is time for you to put that CEO baseball cap on and think like the CEO because you need to do that visionary stuff. You need to do the planning. You need to make sure that your books are in order, um, whatever it happens to be. But that's mindset. Mm -hmm. That's mindset. So, uh, yeah, no, it's huge. It's huge. So for anyone listening and um, that's, they have a concept or they have an idea or they have a passion that they think, you know, um, I'd like to start a business. And I know this is a basic question for you, but I'm going to assume that there are people probably that are listening that have businesses that are thinking, wow, I'm, you know, I'm stopping myself. I'm, I should be at the CEO level and hopefully they've gained things. Um, but let's say someone's just listening and they, they have a passion and they know people love it around them and they want to create a business from that space. What, what kind of things would you suggest that they do? You already talked about mentoring. Mm -hmm. um, so what kind of mentor, if that's the direction or if there are other things that you would suggest? Um, so sometimes I'll s suggest that these people um, read a good business book. You know, I, you know, I wrote a book uh, about business, but. What's the name I, of that? What's the name of that book, Diana? Oh, right there, I do. Shift into rich. So shift is my word. Shift into rich. Navigate the nine roadblocks to small business success. Okay. And it's, it's available on, um, on Amazon and Kindle or hardcover. Um, but that's one thing. Uh, you know, another thing is there's lots of um, mentoring available uh, through government programs. If you're just starting out and you don't have a big budget to invest in, um, I'm not that familiar with the, uh, Ontario, um, but I know in Ottawa, for instance, there's Invest Ottawa, Startup Ottawa. So there's probably similar programs in Toronto. Um, or, you know, find a business coach that you resonate with mm -hmm. and have a conversation, have a conversation and see, uh, you know, it's important to know how you're going to 
to take this passion and turn it into profits. Uh, you know, get down to be willing to get down to the nitty gritty, as I say, of the, the practical side. Yeah, so just get the right guidance around you and know sometimes a passion should just stay a passion. And I exactly. think exactly, <laughs> yeah, um, quite right. Yeah, and you know, because you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, like you said, that you've been for 30 years, it's a lot of work. Yes, initially, and you once you set up things, you want to be able to create the business so that you can have whatever passion out there in the world. But at the same time, you, you don't want it to be that it's you don't have the time off, like you said, like if you're creating oh, yeah. a business because you want to be able to gain certain things, is the buzz, you know, eventually at some point as you move out of the employee stage, who's, you know, is the business running or you, or are you running the business? Exactly. Exactly. So it's really important to, um, I also say it's really important to know what kind of lifestyle you want. And when I'm working with private clients, that's the first thing we talk about. Um, what is it? What would be your definition of success, for instance? And I take them through a whole workbook, you know, in five years, three years, whatever it is for you, and you're building this business, what would success look like? And that's such an important point. Uh, you know, we're both uh, members of CAPS and you, I will We'll sit, we actually just recently had a month ago, uh, just talk about different parts of the business. And that was something that someone came up, they were talking about. And, you know, my, my uh, focus this year is just obviously speak and train more, but I'm at that development life, developmental life stage when my son is about to leave home. Right. Prior to that, you know, um, and I, you know, I could hear some of not just the females, but also the men talking about how difficult that has been you know, they may be successful, but they're, they're never home. Right. You know, and, and, you know, being able to touch down for, you know, for 48 hours before you get back and, and you get again, you're going off to do something you love, but then what's happening with the, the family end of things. And that was one of the guidance um, that one of the speakers talked, talked about is that make sure that whatever you're, you're, how you're defining success is a holistic approach um, because this particular person was saying at the point she was achieving it, uh, her children were grown. And I said, good point, right? Yeah. If you yeah. still have children at home and they're younger and there's activities and all those things, you how much of that stuff is good. Are you going to miss? And if, if, you know, that's a, a real core need, it, it may be that you shift it accordingly based on yes. how you define success. Yeah. I was uh, listening to, I think it was one of your CAPS members actually, and she was saying how her definition of success as a speaker was that she spoke locally. And if she spoke abroad or if she spoke at great distance, she got to choose where it was and that the, it was a place that was suitable for, you know, her family could go for three or four days or a week mm -hmm. and they could go with her. Um, so yeah, it's being clear about what you're, you want to build and what you want your life as I say, your life and your business should mesh together. <laughs> they shouldn't be separate, you know? So, I mean, I have no great aspirations to be, you know, speaking across North America, Europe, or the world and getting on a plane every two days. That doesn't float my boat at all. So, uh, yeah, be clear about that. Well, this has been uh, very educational and um, it's helped me recognize 
I, I, I can relate to some of the things that you <laughs> talked about. And, but I've also recognized that uh, the stage of the business I, that I'm at, you know, what steps I need to continue to start, you know, adding systems to so that I'm, you know, not micromanaging and not that I am a micromanager, but sometimes when you're starting and it's all hands on deck, you may be the only person with the hands on deck, right? Exactly. And it takes yeah. a while before you, like you said, you start to feel profit so that you can start putting the systems in place. And like you, you're right, like self-care, like um, that's so, so key. Uh, that's something that I've always focused on, but even more so now, um, you know, that I've been uh, working on my business. So, so Diana, for everybody that reach out to you and chat with you, connect obviously the book is on amazon you can or you can just uh google diana and i'm sure it'll redirect you to the uh her book but diana for anybody that would like to connect with you directly where can they reach you sure uh my website as i said i like to keep things simple so my website is diana lidstone.com and um you know if anybody would like to uh, book a complimentary business breakthrough session with me they simply go to my website, dianalidstone.com slash apply. And uh, it just sends you, you know, a couple of questions. And then it sends you to book a time with me on my calendar. And I love speaking with entrepreneurs who really want to take their business to the next level. Well, that's awesome. So hopefully you'll be coming to Toronto sometime. Maybe we'll see you at the at the CAPS uh, uh, meeting in Toronto. Um, and I know this year we're going to have our conference in London. So I'm sure yes. for, definitely for sure we'll see you there because I'll yeah. be there too. Awesome. So, for, so everyone, thank you again for uh, tuning in and Diana for all your wisdom today about uh, what we need to go out there and do as uh, solopreneurs. Um, so I, I guess when I, when I listen to what she's saying um, more than ever and which resonates with where, where I'm at is what are you creating? Um, how, what makes you unique? What skills do you need to develop? And what kind of business things do you need to get in place? And if you can't ask, answer those questions, that would be an awesome opportunity to reach out to Diana um, and create that. If there's passion and you really want a profitable business to take the right steps at the beginning, maybe something I could have done a bit better myself. And uh, if you're needing any additional information on me and I'm a mental health and wellness expert and I can be reached at uh, roxandrohodge.com. So thanks, Diana. And we'll talk with you soon. Take care, everybody. We'll, we'll check in next week. Okay. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.